Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the E-Squared podcast series, hosted on Law.com and sponsored by Shook, Hardy, and Bacon. I'm your host, Scott Ferguson. In this episode, we'll join Shook Chair Madeline McDonough and partner Veronica Gramada as they talk about ESG litigation risks. Let's join them. Welcome to E-Squared. I'm Madeline McDonough, the chair of Shukardi and Bacon. In recent years, we've seen calls for change on the streets of America demanding racial equality, fair labor practices and supply chains, and adjustments in the boardroom tying executive compensation and investment goals to sustainability and diversity goals. Shareholders, clients, and customers are asking more from companies than just producing a good product. Is your company ready? I'm joined today with Shook partner Veronica Gramada, who recently joined our firm after a long and very successful career as managing counsel for litigation in-house at Walmart. In this role, she supervised one of the largest tort litigation portfolios in the country. She now offers strategic guidance to clients on a variety of business functions, including operations, employment, insurance, logistics, and supply chain issues. Veronica, welcome to E-Squared. Thank you, Madeline. It's great to be here. Well, wonderful. Just for background for our listeners, I thought it would be helpful to discuss what does ESG stand for? Typically, there are different varieties of this, but it typically stands for environmental, social, and governance. And the ESG rubric includes a wide array of company policies, culture, and commitments that relate both internally and externally. Some examples of that can include the health and wellness of employees, diversity and inclusion goals, resource preservation and sustainability, privacy and data security policies, transparency in the boardroom in terms of governance, investor relations, and other director and officer activities, and supply chain and vendor risk mitigation and compliance, among many others. And that leads us to our guest today, Veronica. Can you speak, Veronica, on the importance of having a formal ESG plan and how that is tied into not only profitability, but to brand and reputation? Absolutely. Madeline, society has been moving toward evaluating ESG metrics for years, driven by growing public participation and impassioned support around events such as George Floyd protests, the Me Too movement, and increasing attention to climate change. Many companies have recognized that implementing and documenting an ESG plan is important for retaining valuable employees and attracting new talent, as well as growing the business and limiting risk. In many instances, ESG offers a way for companies and even law firms to formalize industry best practices under a holistic approach to doing business. For example, some companies are tying ESG metrics to executive compensation, as you mentioned in your opening, including Chipotle, which has set goals to use more organic local farming in its product and vows to help more women and diverse employees climb the corporate ladder. And as expected, many other brands are following suit. That's fascinating. So let's deconstruct this a bit in terms of the supply chain. What are some factors to consider and what legal trends are you seeing in that area? 
Well, Madeline, you know, supply chain is actually morphing into more of a supply ecosystem. A 2021 McKinsey report found that two-thirds of an organization's ESG commitments lie with its suppliers. So success is often contingent upon the partners that a company chooses. And it's not just about policies. ESG commitments must be a part of an organization's DNA. The general public is looking for actions that are backed by data that are actually measurable results that show progress over time, and not only what you did, but how you did it. In fact, in November 2021, FTC Chair Lena M. Kahn stated, and I quote, supply chain disruptions are appending the provision and delivery of a wide array of goods ranging from computer chips and medicines to meat and lumber, end quote. So Madeline, in an effort to identify market conditions and business practices that worsened during these disruptions related to the pandemic specifically, the FTC commenced an inquiry requiring a number of retail companies to provide internal documents regarding supply chain disruptions, pricing, marketing, cost, and profit margins, selection of suppliers and brands, as well as their market shares. The agency also sought voluntary comments from various retailers, consumer goods suppliers, wholesalers, and consumers, including their views on how supply chain issues are affecting competition. Excellent. Are there some specific areas that you are watching in terms of emerging trends? You know, Madeline, again, it's it's a bit of a, a morphing ecosystem. So people, planet, and profits all have to be managed and work together to demonstrate ethical behaviors by the company. First, how a company treats its employees is going to be more important than ever for retaining talent and attracting new talent. We are seeing many state and local governments requiring companies to take a closer look at issues such as pay equity and a number of states, including Alabama, California, Colorado, Illinois, and Maryland, along with cities like Cincinnati, Philadelphia, and Kansas City, have added laws that no longer allow potential employers to ask about salary history in order to reduce historical wage discrimination which often impacts women and minorities. Companies can also make a difference and are being increasingly expected to do so by setting requirements for its board for diversity and then following through and being transparent about the results. In the legal industry, for example, we have something called the Mansfield Rule. The Mansfield Rule tracks and measures the success of firms committed to 30% participation of underrepresented attorneys for top leadership roles, senior level lateral hiring, promotions into equity partnership, and participation in client pitch meetings. That's great. And I know that Shook is an adherent to the Mansfield rule, so that's good to know. I wonder if we could turn to the G in ESG, governance. What do you think about how companies should be preparing for that emerging issue? Madeline, companies will continue to face increased government and public scrutiny on how they are governed and what they put out 
on the external communications and social media. So as a part of the overall enhanced focus on ESG issues, commentators and companies are focusing with more precision on corporate governance trends in 2022. Here are some of the governance trends that I'm following. First, shareholders and activist investors are beating the drum on all ESG areas, prompting more attention to reporting regarding ESG issues, including governance. Second, human capital concerns are taking center stage as the talent wars, wage, and boards increasingly are focused on talent management, culture management, where and how talent is working, and employee health and safety. Third, supply chain risk management and management of disruptions are getting more attention as sourcing and supply have become pivotal issues. And fourth, the evolving data privacy regulations demand nimble responses and demand overall data diligence from companies. So companies need to make sure they are being carefully and appropriately managed from the top down in order to avoid reputational damage, whistleblowers, and lawsuits. As you know, later in this series, we'll be talking about some of our own employment and business litigation attorneys about issues around corporate culture investigations, transparency around data privacy, and other social and governance considerations. What kind of ESG litigation risks is Shook looking at? Um, Shook is unique in that we have teams of counsel and analysts that consider all facets of potential litigation, including reputations management and communications. There are always two sides to ESG litigation, the reputational risk to brands and the legal risk in the courtroom. And these issues may arise from a number of different factors associated with conducting a company's business. For example, labeling and marketing claim, greenwashing could be an issue, which is the allegation that there are claims about your product that are difficult to impossible to substantiate. Another is security statement litigation. The modern shareholder expects thoughtfulness and transparency that is backed by action data, and measurable progress. Also, environmental and energy lawsuits. Modern consumers are not merely seeking to determine whether a company has made false claims. They look beyond such claims to see whether there was an opportunity for companies to do more for the environment and to promote sustainability efforts. DNI, a failure to address concerns for employees and or clients could not only expose a company to litigation, but it could lead to government and internal investigations as a result of whistleblowers. Also, privacy and data security. Data is an increasingly valuable commodity, separate and apart from goods and services. If a company is not in compliant, it not only poses compliance risk, but it also erodes public trust and the goodwill of the business. Finally, supply chain contracts and due diligence. Due diligence is a must, especially as supply chain disruptions have caused companies throughout the chain 
or the ecosystem to partner on sourcing key ingredients, component parts, finished products, as well as shipping, exporting, or importing goods into the U.S. or other markets around the globe. In coming weeks, Madeline, I know you will sit down with one of our public policy partners, Phil Goldberg, to discuss the impact of legislation and litigation on the development of ESG guideposts for companies. Well, that's right. I look forward to that very much. We will continue our conversation with Shook partner Veronica Gramada after this message. Shook, Hardy & Bacon is a premier trial firm serving clients in the health, science, and technology sectors. Whether you're crafting an ESG policy or resolving claims through negotiation or litigation, Shook attorneys build on decades of experience and are positioned to provide end-to-end support. I'm Shook Chair Madeline McDonough. We're back with Shook partner Veronica Gramada discussing ESG and supply chain issues. Thank you again, Madeline. As you know, one of the reasons I was attracted to Shook is because it's known as a premier litigation firm supporting companies spanning sectors, particularly health science and technology focused. The firm has a wide variety of multidisciplinary practices, including environmental, public policy, and regulatory counseling, and we have partners who bring the in-house perspective. For instance, our Houston managing partner, John Lewis, was Coca-Cola's chief litigation counsel and chief global diversity officer. It has been my immense pleasure to hear about John's DEI vision for our firm, and I am so honored to be a small part of that journey. Yes, I am so looking forward to talking with John in one of our future episodes. And you're right, Shook is a leader in complex litigation, including product liability, business litigation, intellectual property, and areas like data privacy and security, regulatory matters, public policy, and other types of litigation. So we have many partners from Shook who will be coming up in future episodes of this podcast. We're very excited about that. As Veronica mentioned, we have John Lewis, a business litigator and our DNI initiatives chair, who will address governmental investigations. We'll also have partner Tom Griever, who will discuss in-depth more about the environmental and energy litigation as it relates to ESG. And as Veronica mentioned a few minutes ago, our public policy partner, Phil Goldberg, who has spoken and written and is quite a thought leader on climate change issues. And he will discuss with us the idea that climate change might better be addressed in the legislature than in the courts. And Shook's pro bono director, Scott Fishman, will talk about choosing pro bono matters that can make a real difference, especially specific impact litigation. I just want to thank you so much, Veronica, for your time today. I very much enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Madeline. It was my pleasure to be a part of this. For more information, please go to the Shook website at shb.com. And please join us next time for more discussion examining ESG litigation risks. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this episode in the E-Squared podcast series, hosted on law.com and sponsored by Shook, Hardy, and Bacon. I'm Scott Ferguson. Thanks for listening. 
For more legal analysis and insights, please visit law.com.